1: Hello everyone, and welcome to our Christmas edition of the Ruck, the Rugby Podcast from the Times and Sunday Times. Everyone's turned up in a jolly festive mood. Steve Jones is in his Santa outfit, which is uh, an unusual sight. Um, today we have uh, the triumphant return of the Dog Man, the Prince of Fleet Street freelancers, Adam Hathaway. Adam, your greyhounds in action this weekend? Uh, no, we've, we're actually um, out of dogs at the moment. We've got
0: to buy a new one because the last one's had to retire and is now a pet of one of my mates.
1: Oh,
2: do you get compensation for that?
3: When you say no. retaliate, you sure, you're sure he hasn't been eased off the planet? He's still going? Oh, He's still going, yeah. Okay, right. He's in okay. my mate's front right he, room. All
2: right. He's still got a life, has he? Yeah.
3: yeah. Excellent. Good. That's good effort.
1: <laughs> and that was the voice of uh, Michael Elwin, who we welcome back, the co-author of one of the most fascinating rugby books of the year, Unholy Union, When Rugby Collided with the Modern World, which analyses the state of the professional game today. Suggests it's make-or-break time for the sport. Indeed, pretty good. Happy Christmas. Pretty good summary.
3: <laughs> Alex, by the way, where's Lul? Where's Lawrence? Oh, where's Lol? Uh, I'm no, here. He's not. No he's not, <laughs> no, he's not here, no, he's not here again. What's his excuse this time? He,
1: I think, he's still stuck on the uh, on the, the Tokyo, the right. ever-reliable Tokyo train system. That okay, okay. Failed
3: him. All right. Well, at least we're. Where's anywhere. Slotty? We can, Slotty? Well Slaty, not here uh, again. It's another just, It's off. shocking. His loyalty is.
1: They are going to miss Treasonable. Yeah. They're going to miss the Rux Christmas party because what we have today are crackers, mince pies, and a bottle of bubbly, which I'm not certain is allowed to be opened in the Talk Sports studios where we are. But oh. I'm going to go under the desk and do it a, anyway, OK, so. all right. Okay. skilled hand can do it. So I'm gonna, as we do, I'm going to hand around some mince pies for everybody. Excellent. And I think we should open a cracker. Right, go on. Thank you very nominate much. Nominate a joke. Go right. on, Josie, I'll do it with you. All right. All right. Yeah, well ah, Try the damp skin. Uh-huh. Mike, Jack, I'm ready? with you. Oh, come oh.
3: hey, on. There
1: we go. Oh. Such standard back. crackers. Jones, you have to take off your Santa hat and put on your uh,
2: your cracker hat. Okay. Go on then, Jonesy. Give me this one, will
1: you? Okay. What you got,
3: mate?
2: Right. Yeah. Oh. go, mate? All right. Another. I've got
3: The gifts I've got. The cheese grater. <laughs> the belter.
1: <laughs> i got some playing cards. All right. Uh, have we got uh, I've got, I've got nothing.
3: I, I don't got, know what this is. i got a joke. Hold on, read it out. Read it out. Well, I pop this over. It's quite a good one, actually. Premiership rugby. Limited. <laughs> limited. It's bloody funny there, <laughs> honestly. You can't get a much bigger joke than that.
0: Come <laughs> on, Joe. Well, uh, my job. joke. Um, premiership rugby. We're going to move our final in 2021. <laughs> oh,
2: Absolutely <gosh>. laughable. Yeah. The standard of jokes is we'll just proved yeah, around here, I tell you they? what,
3: they're better. Go on, then, what's yours? Well, I haven't got
2: anything. you clean me out, Oh,
3: basically. sorry, mate. Hang on. There we go. i uh, use one. Open. It says, wash thoroughly in warm, soapy water before first use. Is that me? Yeah. That's well, not very funny either, is it? Really? What it's vegetable don't you want on a boat? Uh, a leek. A leek.
1: There you go. It's obvious. Yeah, well, standard uh, cracker joke. Okay. Right, I'm pouring the uh, the bubbly. So we... Um, where did everyone go at the weekend? I, I, I was with Adam at London Irish Bath on Sunday.
0: I went to sarry's Bristol as well on Saturday. Uh,
1: gonna...
2: Leicester, uh, Exeter for me.
3: I went to sarry's and Bristol and I made a big day of it because Alfred Adam Hathaway lived home. I said, how far away is your place? It's about ten minutes. Three and three-quarter hours later, <laughs> in the far north-east of uh, London, I dropped him off. Well, we did have a pit stop. But we had a pit stop. At the stop. Old yeah. trailer, was it? I, I did I invite him for a drink. The only trouble is, when I got in there and ordered them, I didn't have any money on me, so we had to pay for them as well. <laughs> that old trick. Anyway, saris and um, saris was just an epic place to be. Was uh, it? I'm, I think I'm right in saying. No,
0: but the last hour they were absolutely untouchable. Yes, yeah, some they of were the terrific.
3: stuff. Some of the stuff they played was was just majestic. I mean, Bar- Bristol are second in the table. Um, Sarries are obviously bottom of the table because of the because of the um, the sanction against them. But they were brilliant. They played as if under no pressure. Although well, I'm sure they are under pressure. Um, the Polas were some, uh, remarkably good. I think we, everyone's just wondering if they're a deg- degree or two down. They were remarkably good. Whole team played some great stuff, and um, there were two names to mention in particular. That's Max Malins at fullback, uh, who's normally a fly half, but he was at fullback, and uh, Ben Earl at at flanker. And uh, when you get someone as as measured as Mark McCall, comparing Max Mailings to Bro- Bowden Barrett, then you've got a player. So. It was one of those games that make you sort of joyous about rugby.
1: Yeah, I've heard him make similar comparisons before because he sees Malins as a as a fifteen who can ultimately play play fly half, doesn't he? he?
3: He does. I mean, I don't know what you thought, Adam, but he's just one of those brilliant footballers. And let's be fair, he's he's played fullback against Munster and against uh, Bristol, two big pressure games. He's the third choice fullback in effect. But uh, he just had all the talents. He had Nose and uh, he inspired Saracens. I mean, some of, the, some of the attacking back play they did was was, was, was tremendous. It was really, really good. Well, when Thank you
0: good. think they've got Liam Williams and Alex Gould both injured and with the greatest respect to two brilliant players, they haven't really been missed.
1: No, well, We were writing this week that, yeah. about Liam Williams leaving next season. You think, well, he's leaving behind um, Alex Good, Max Malins and Elliot Daly, all of whom... Yeah, sure. Yeah, Elliot mm. Daly as
2: well. Well, I mean is is Max Maynes gonna do an Alex Good and uh, actually never go back to playing fly half. Um He he reminds me so much of um Alex Good, mm. only with the added twist of serious pace. Yeah. Um mm. so God knows Alex Good's done a decent enough job at fullback. Um maybe that's what Maines is gonna end up as.
3: Alex good apparently is still celebrating the last um playing thats yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, they are um, it's a diff, it's a difficult thing alex because when you when you suddenly when you're a free, a free running fifteen it's difficult when you've got to suddenly come in to to, to pilot the whole thing mm. from ten, mm. which Farrell does so well you know yeah. so it's it's difficult uh but uh, look, when you got the talent you know as they always said to me when i played if you've got the talent you, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna go far <laughs>
1: <laughs> how the far did the you better. go? Sorry, <laughs> how far did your time? Newport,
3: take? I went. That's, That's as far as I went.
1: Um, I think we, we might touch on it with the, the salary cap um, review conversation, but you look at Maximalians and you look at Ben Earl, who has had an outstanding season, and the Saracens Academy just keeps rolling out these these top class players, and and then you you hear Mark McCall saying we we may have to change our our strategy at the Saracens because these if these players go on and, and make the same step up that, that Owen Farrell and Maritoge made, they'll become very expensive very quickly, and then it becomes very hard to keep them. And I, it's a, it's a, an issue for the, for the Premiership and, and maybe something for for, the, for this review that we'll probably talk about later. That how do clubs how are clubs incentivised to produce players when ultimately they might not be able to keep
2: them? Yeah, um, and currently but... the maximum is. 80 grand for an all-singing, all-dancing, yeah. uh, homegrown international. And 80 grand these days doesn't get you an awful lot um, as a replacement for you know more than half the season, really. Um, certainly in the Premiership. Uh, so I mean, yeah, this heavy hitter, whoever he is, reviewing the thing is um, no doubt going to look at that. I would have thought. Yeah. Okay, well, I've seen these heavy hitters before. And, <laughs> and McCall
1: was
0: <laughs> expecting that sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he'll have Ben Earl. I'd have thought, in the England yeah. Six Nations squad, which will be announced in in January, and, and maybe one or two others, maybe a, a, Nick Tompkins or a Mila or a. Not a Milo, sorry. Um, may, maybe a Nick Tompkins or a, a, a Max Malins or, or a Nick Ezekiel, as you yeah. say, he's had a really good I think th- Ezekiel
3: is playing out with his skin. And is, it's a huge problem, Alex, because, you know, sa- say you're a great, young, promising uh, academy player like Malins and. Um, um, and and, the, and these guys who are just coming through. It's the same with Maro I told you I mean, Marrow must have gone from something like 10, 50, 20 grand a year to 250 yeah. or whatever in, a, in about
2: a week. Yeah, what do you do with
3: that? A- and the thing is, you don't, as Mike says, you get compensation, but some of that goes to this smoothing out thing where you've got to donate it to other people. And, you know, if you're going to produce uh, England players, you've got to give more um, leeway to the clubs. You've got to give more finance to them and you've got to give more incentive otherwise people are going to do what steve diamond understandably has done at sale and that is just bringing a load of south africans because yeah. during the six nations sale are going to be dangerous because they'll have their full yeah. their normal type, team out mm-hmm.
1: did you see a sales game here at southampton
2: i didn't know. Uh, i was at leicester which was uh, an event in itself um i mean it really was a the first tw- I mean, the irony is, the story of it almost was Leicester because they yeah. looked a million dollars for 20 minutes. Uh, and then, sure sign of a institution in trouble uh, off the field, they it just evaporated. It was extraordinary. I mean, obviously, Exeter played a big part in that. And Exeter are one team like Saracens that you'd never beat until you've beaten them. Uh, and they just coolly played their way back in Leicester. I wouldn't say they fell apart, but they didn't play another shot because they were unplayable and they've got the personnel to be unplayable, which makes this whole relegation question, I think it's still live. And I I don't think Saracens are quite out of it, out of the woods. yet. Well, they're certainly not out of the woods yet, but I mean, they are at the moment making dramatic inroads in that deficit. But, you know, Leicester will beat people at uh, Welford Road and probably away from Welford Road. Wasps will probably start finding some form when they settle um, after the World Cup. You know, it's a, there's a lot still to be played for, and, and we're t- those. That's three of the biggest name, probably the three biggest names in English rugby, uh, vying to go down. But you know, but anybody could. I mean, London Irish is still not. Yeah, I'm unglied, not. Uh, are they? And they did look a little bit off it this when you, weekend. When you
1: say Leicester and Moss will start winning, they're going to need to because Saracens aren't going to stop winning, and yeah. they're, not, they're not going to stop winning well, and they've eaten pretty much half half of that deduction up, up already. Um... And I would say that Leicester and, and, and Wasps are probably looking at and hoping that London Irish have a bit of a of a slide. What do you reckon, Alan? You were there yesterday.
0: Well, we'll talk about Saracens being in trouble with um, England's uh, <clears throat> England call-ups. I mean, Leicester could conceivably have... I mean, they had six at the World Cup. Probably four of those would be retained, the Six Nations, so they're going to miss them as well, so they're... They're banging the mire.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it just shows that really, however horrible it is to be involved in the relegation battle, what it gives to the league because it's going to be tremendous. The thing is about Saracens, uh, as Mike uh, uh, sort of suggests. I don't think they're quite out of the wood because they are going to lose a lot of players for a lot for a lot of the, lot of the games. Now, usually there is one team that is palpably the worst in the league. You know, London Welsh once won one point, and L- London Irish w- w- were well behind. This time, there's not. I'm not saying they're there are any great teams above them, but Leicester um, uh, and and Was, for instance, and and London Irish could actually win a couple. That puts more pressure on Sarry. So it's going to be a heck of a battle. But um, uh, I think London Irish were going well until yesterday. Uh, I went down to see them l- last week. I was really impressed by the the way they were all got together. But uh, uh, Saracens are not gonna are not gonna go away, and they're gonna be. They might lose one or two. They might. But, um, you know, it's going to be a heck of a battle all the way, which is which is only good.
1: I thought, um, I was at Bristol London Irish where London Irish got, um, secured a draw and they played with real spirit and fight and a sort of togetherness that didn't seem almost possible, certainly not natural for a squad that's just been collected from all mm. different corners of the world without a, a real core to it. But they they fought for a draw at Bristol who are, the, you know, are still mm. flying high and, and certainly were then. There was no fight at all on uh, yesterday.
0: They were absolutely battered up front and it was out yeah. It Was
1: calamitous. There were chucking balls on the floor and Stephen minor mm, bizarre cross kick, which which was so <laughs> short I went backwards and it bounced before it was intercepted. And
3: it's one of those things where you, you know on a Sunday you you curse teams because um, I was I explained as I think you probably know uh, I explained I was, it was explained to me by the great Blair Cowan where they what they do. And how they get this polyglot lot together, and it was very inspiring because they've got stuff up on the wall, and they got a little—they got a, a huge global map. I don't know. why I'm telling all the listeners this because you should have been reading the Sunday Times. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you anyway. This <laughs> is the that. last time I'm going to do this. They had a global map with a little logo uh, as to w- where all the players came from. So you had England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, um, Nigeria, uh, the three—the three—the um, three Pacific nations: Tonga, Samoa, uh, Fiji. And it was very affecting and and they sort of walk by this every day and and what they call themselves is is the misfits because they just come from all all around the world sadly for for uh, Blair who I just found a magnificent bloke it didn't work for them yesterday and they have got to keep on claiming points from somewhere because if they do stay up they reach a watershed because they're going to to they're going to um uh, Brentford next year, Brentford Community Stadium, mm. seventeen thousand. They're linking up with all their diaspora all over the all over Britain, and they could really, really become a big club. But not if, if they go down this year.
1: I think we look at it's Christmas time, and we're thinking halfway through the season, we've got a good idea of where everyone is. But actually, we're only six rounds in, and there's a there's a long a long way to go. But I, I having said that, I did sit at, at the Madetsi yesterday and look at the at the table and just. A, there's a sl- some slight daylight between, I mean, Bath one, which put them above London Irish. They're now seven points ahead of, ahead of uh, Wasps, uh, with Leicester behind them, and then a six point gap, London Irish, which which is not insignificant even this early, I don't think.
0: Well, especially not with the way they're playing. Those two teams. Yeah. If I watched Leicester, I'd be looking over my shoulder because there's a big machine coming for them. They've got a target on their backs.
3: The thing is, the thing is with with Wasps, you know, um, they've made a great success of their. Trans, transition to Ricoh Stadium, but it's obvious, and Lawrence has said this on, on the Ruck, that um, they have to look after their finances a little bit, and they've not really spent much on players, and when you consider that two years ago they had, you know, Kurtley Bill, Christian Wade, Danny Cipriani, um, uh, you, you know, really Christian Wade, uh, and, and a very powerful pack, they just do not appear to have done that this time. And they're going to have to get that. Da Young's going to have to get that lot in winning form really rapidly.
1: The, the signing of uh, Levan Le- 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 Sopawanga hasn't worked no. for them. Malachi fekitoa as an outside centre isn't probably isn't the answer at the moment. As, as good a player as he is, they've they've lost really promising young players through injury. I spoke to Alex Reader last week, um, who spent two years trying to get it back, and and didn't. They lost Sam Jones a couple of years ago too. Um, you're right that they do have budgetary constraints which are affecting them and, and their big signings haven't really worked and they've lost a Cipriani who they let go, they've lost a Willie LaRue, who mm. came to the end of his contract. Cooper um, Woolley, big loss for Cooper them. Woolley, big loss who they haven't really replaced. Um and and Di Young looked look pretty shattered after
2: mm.
1: after that game. But they are still getting crowds. And so, you know, that they, although they're struggling in the table, they get twenty five thousand for the Harlequins game, I think. Yeah. Which mm. is almost 10 times the amount t- they were I don't getting. I how many tickets people. they give
0: away, though.
3: Well, that one? Yeah, you don't, yes, you don't know. Well, well, the thing is, I, I've never been bothered about giving away tickets, Jack. If, but if, they're if, still if turning give, up. If you give 5,000 tickets away, well, you've got 5,000 potential people to come yeah. next time, yeah, you know. Yeah. But... Um, we getting free as well, don't, don't forget. Oh yeah, and, but look, the thing is with Danny. I mean, I'm sure Dai must think this now. I wouldn't expect him to admit it. When he lost Danny, he lo- he lost Christian Wade. He lost Elliot Daly because those guys and, w- were loving the way they played. Yeah. And I think that when Danny went, that they they not only did they f- did they really really waste their money on Sopoanga. G- God bless him. I think they lost the whole shape and the verve and the, and the brilliance of the team. Well, that was the boy band, wasn't it? Those boys. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. What um, body bands do you know by the way? Oh, shadows?
0: Take, take that, they were one, weren't they? They were one, yeah.
1: Uh and and Daddy was playing for, for Gloucester on Friday night, who who kind of battered Worcester for, for the whole first half and it was I thought Worcester did pretty well to hang on, actually their defence defence looked strong and then and then Gloucester did what they'd actually done when I was down there for the Connaught game where they they could easily have been well clear at half time but weren't, and then cut loose second half and scored Five tries and and Reese Sammis just looks like a million dollars for Absolutely. them.
3: Absolutely, they they looked like Gloucester in the second half. They really did, they really did.
0: You've done me up like a Kipper kick, kick Arthur, but I'll um. <laughs> Why? We'll, we'll come to that later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he does look, you know, he's an eighteen-year-old. He looks old fa- he looks fantastic, yeah. All the pace in the world. Yeah. Really?
2: Oh, well, it just goes to show you don't have to be. I mean, you know, we talk about London Irish looking like proper contenders one week and then the next whatever happened this weekend. Mine's not in the right place maybe or who knows what was going on behind the scenes and you cop a big beating. And, you know, same you'd say with West uh, Worcester at Gloucester, you know, belies the fact that it was 3 hall after whatever it was, 58, 59 minutes. I mean, it was a proper game, but then you look at the final score and you think, well, that's another hiding. Mm. Um... And Worcester will probably use that to inspire them for next week and they will quite possibly inflict a similar hiding on somebody else who might not, for whatever reason, be quite on it. And so it will go on. I mean, some of the points differences in the Premiership are amusing to watch. I, I don't know why. There's, but I always think it's quite uh, instructive looking at points differences as much as it is the points on the table. But, um, you know, you've got Bristol up there in third. They're on minus three points difference, in fact. Um, And the side with by far the biggest points difference, of course, is Saracens on plus 71. Uh, So that's instructive of a league where, you know, wild uh, results can happen at any given time. And I suppose the uh, key is how you handle that. Um, I think most sides are perfectly capable of using these heavy defeats as motivation to, uh, you know, get a performance Mm -hmm. the following week. Um, And it just makes it all, you know, very interesting to watch.
3: Do you know, I was just going to say um, there was someone on the TV on the radio the other day complaining about the, the Premiership and all that. You know, I, I think you had to be there at the start to realise what it is now. You know, and I was yeah. I was there at the start in eighteen thirty three. <laughs> but they, the, 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 you really, you know, we used to go to matches where there were like eight hundred, nine hundred people there. Yeah. The Premiership now, like Friday night, you saw, you might see one great game every week. Friday night we saw an excellent game, saw a couple more yesterday, Leicester, um, London Irish maybe not the, not, the, not the great one, but the, the, the sort of atmosphere at Saturdays, with, even with half the ground not being used, uh, and the, the way, the passion about it, and the, the, the test match intensity, which is what, the way Pat Lamb described it. This, this league, you know, it's, it's some league, and one day when we look back, we'll realise that people like Eddie Jones, who, who demean it, really should shut up.
2: Yeah, I've never understood this. I mean, I, obviously, it's become a kind of uh, cliche to say that the Premiership is one-dimensional and uh, the English team's don't know how to play. I, I just don't recognise that. rubbish. And I haven't recognised it for years. There was a... You can what, you can chart, if you're sad enough, you can chart the uh, tri-tally uh, for the Premiership over its existence. And there was this extraordinary slump around about 2010... And those were dark days, sort of, I think, in those days of Vicarage Road on a wet Sunday afternoon and Borthas getting his boys together and uh, sticking it up somebody in a most dispiritingly dull way. Um, so I don't know what happened around about 2010 and the Six Nations as Warthurs well. retired, I think that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, since then it's just gone from strength to strength. And it was also it was like that in the early years. The other, the mm. biggest scoring uh, per game uh, season was the first, I think, or was the, or well, maybe the second. Dominic Chapman ended the uh, season mm. on something stupid like 30 plus tries. That season was. I think it was at 98, 99. Uh, was a really high-scoring season tries-wise, but we're we're getting back up there now, and we have been for you know a good three, four, five years. Mikey Devon used to be a stato, did he? Yeah, I'll tell you. It it it. Always been it's oh, always sad. It's always yeah. been the yeah.
3: statistics, man. Don't no, me
1: as we referred to a bit earlier, Premiership Rugby announced an independent review of the whole salary cap system to be undertaken by Lord Miners, a former government government minister, with a view to tightening the regulations, to strengthening the budget and investigative powers available to Premiership Rugby and, and potentially strengthening the, the punishments. Um, what I found, one of the interesting areas that I found was that he's going to, He's going to look at how salary cap systems are, operate in other sports and other codes around the world, which to me means he'll go to the LRL in Australia and will note how Melbourne Storm had titles stripped from them when they were found guilty of salary cap breaches. He'll go to North America, where all the major sports publish the salaries of their players for, uh, for transparency as a way of managing the salary cap. And if he sees how they operate and is tasked with reporting back on best practice, I, it's not unfeasible that he will report back and recommend that both of those things should be brought into into the premiership. Um, that's not to say Saracens will have title stripped retrospectively. It would, it would apply going forward, but it would be a, a strengthening of the punishments. And, of course, the publishing of salaries would be an enormous shift from, from where we are now.
0: I'll tell you what, when this landed in my inbox on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it was, my shoulder's slumped because I'm sick to death of this. Um, <laughs> but you're right, Arthur. We were talking about it off-air before. Um, if he comes up with a recommendation, this is how you're going to run the salary cap from now on, then Premiership Rugby better have a good excuse not to do it. And also, Saracens have taken it on the chin. The, aside from this review, Saracens have taken all this on the chin. I just wish all the other clubs would shut up now.
1: Well, I, th- I think they want they want this review as much as anyone because as yeah, we sure, referred yeah. to earlier... There are definite changes I think need to be made with regards to the in- incentivising the production of young English players yeah. and clubs who produce a Marritosy who goes from a, uh, an academy contract which can't be more than thirty grand to being a star of the lines in no time. Um, it's it's unfair on those clubs to to then be punished. So I think I actually think Saracens will welcome this for for that reason, yeah, for particularly sure, yeah. because um they've been punished for, for for providing great players. Jonesy, I suspect. You have an opinion on it? Well,
3: Lord Cold Miners—that's the last bloke you want. In he's only going to charge a pound, apparently, which is about what it's worth. Um, <laughs> let's go back to America. First of all, it's a totally different thing. Secondly, you can all—you can announce everybody's salary. That doesn't mean that's what you're paying them. The NFL—the NFL, the, the, the NFL the, the, in the gridiron—the great fallacy over there is that, that, that what they announce is what they actually pay them. I mean, you could say, right, Maru we give him 200,000. Great, there we are. It's all in public. We give him another 100,000 behind, behind the scenes. It doesn't work. Secondly, it, in my opinion, if someone like a, 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 an outstanding businessman like Nigel Ray and a really, really meteoric, brilliant man, brilliant player like Maru if they want to, if Maru wants wants to, to use Nigel Ray's business acumen, which is incredible, um, then that is no business of the salary cap. Yeah, I'm sorry, totally, it is totally no big. it is no business. And um, I think I, I agree with you, Alex. This thing about oh, it's going to make it even tougher. Some of the things should be loosened off. That that not made tougher. And as for the 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 the, the, the penalties, the penalty that Sarri suffered was way off the planet in terms of the offences they're said to have committed. So. Don't make the anyone who who says that they should make the punishment even better is talking out their backside. And I, I presume, as usual, it's from the sheer jealousy of the losing teams.
1: I hope the bloke dressed as Father Christmas is in a better mood when he comes to your (laughs) house on Christmas Day.
2: (laughs) The uh, recently released groundbreaking "Unholy Union" when rugby collided with modern world uh, has much to say on this. Uh, I mean, the thing that. Those other sports uh, we mentioned who might have more punitive um, measures against salary cap abusers, what they all have in common is a properly binding collective bargaining agreement and a completely different way of administering yeah. their sports. And it is a. The big problem with the salary cap. Uh, in this country and if if Saracens had really wanted to challenge it they would have had a case it would have been horribly messy it would have taken years probably but they could have taken it higher Um, the key with it is that the players are not signatories to the agreement so you could argue that uh, it is a restraint of trade because however much all the other clubs might agree that this is how we should operate they're still contending with a bunch of agents basically who are constantly jacking up the going rate for their uh, clients and causing all this problem in the first place i mean the players are not signed up to the idea of the salary cap and you talk to any director of rugby around the country in their experience when the salary cap goes up all that happens is that the players salaries go up mm. uh, it doesn't mean they can make their squad stronger or uh, you know bring in extra cover it just means well that the Players' salaries go up, and the players' salaries, however brutal the sport they're playing, are just too high because the game can't afford them.
0: Mike, you should write a book on this. I've done it. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think we should
1: lighten the mood at this Christmas party. We'd, we'd, <laughs> right. We'd pl- we'd play some music if we could afford the rights, but um, mm-hmm. we can't. So we'll just let's let's look ahead, hopes and dreams for for, for 2020. Does anyone have any? Where, where would you like? Where'd you like the game to go? I, I, ben Ben Kane's column. This week was writing about a number of things. One of the things which was so stark to those of us who were at London Irish yesterday where there was scrum reset after scrum reset was the amount of time that is taking and eating up out of the game. He liked that whole situation to be, to be sped up to maybe you'd have a countdown clock so that scrums have to be set in a certain time. That's one of his ideas. What do you... you guys well, the with that is,
2: and this is the problem you always got with all of these questions about how we uh, you know, speed the game up or improve it and so on. There's a flip side to all of it because everyone's also at the same time screaming about player welfare. And the bottom line is, if you, take, if you stop the clock for a scrum, you are making the length, the playing time of your game of rugby will you balloon beyond what it is I actually now. Think if you the stop- collision rate will go up. Uh, it will become... Even more dangerous than it already is. If you stop is. the clock, as, as he said, and I agree
1: if you stop the clock, it's actually going to take longer because there's no incentive on the players to have done any quicker. Yeah, well, a countdown
0: clock would
1: Count, work. I think a countdown yeah. clock might work.
3: Um, um, you, I think, I think all, all I say is that it's the last five minutes when team in, in the lead suspiciously goes yeah, down every is. time. They should stop the clock for the last five. But, uh, um, um, Mike, got to be a surely there's got to be a happy medium where you get the scrum down safely at the moment players just standing around for ages yeah, before yeah. they even engage and secondly i'd add to that alex you cannot go away in a huddle and make the line out call you've got to go straight to the line out and throw it in
2: yeah um, uh, my uh, co-author mr evans is uh, currently chief executive of global rapid rugby yeah uh, which has plenty of new measures some uh which more we should just in case anyone does know is this the innovative uh, yeah. Andrew,
1: Andrew Forrest based competition with mm. in Perth. In Perth,
2: but bonus tries and yeah, no, if no, you no. score a try straight from your own twenty-two without any intermediary phases, you get it's worth nine points and so on. Uh, but one of the innovations there is time limits on set pieces, so mm, you know right. you have to have completed the scrum in a minute. Mm. Um, I mean, that might be a way of doing it.
0: I've got a wish for twenty twenty. England have got two match tour to Japan. Um can we make it 10 tests? <laughs> cuz had such a good time at the World Cup. I want a longer trip there. Will you be going back in the pod? I'm I Well, I don't think i am put in all the time cuz right. I don't think there are any in a week. Right. Okay.
1: okay. So Adam Hathaway literally is the podfather on <laughs> the podfather. podcast, yeah, having yeah. spent eight weeks living in a in a pod. In a pod. In
3: Alex, Tokyo. in terms of next year, I'd like something to happen. People think rugby's moving; it doesn't move at all. First of all, as Michael uh, and uh, Michael and uh, Mark wrote it in the book, I'd love there to be in more independent officialdom, where every decision you made was not made totally for your own benefit, but was made for the benefit of the game. Mm. For instance. Ha, ha, have, has anything happened after the World Cup about tier one and tier two about giving any any more finance to the to the, to the pacific nations no of course hasn 't everything sticks the same um, internationals there are there are too many of them that's that 's another point independent um, um, and, and not self centered unself centered official term uh, should should come in and and, and and next I think people should pay more attention to the unbelievable boom. in in women's and girls' rugby. It is absolutely stunning. Um, And they've got to make some difficult decisions. England and France in the Six Nations have gone way ahead of all the others. Should there be a test series and then a Six Nations B or something like that? Uh, Because um, it's it's growing so big. And you go to any club now, the the amount of, of young girls there playing the game, it warms the heart honestly and i tell you what it's it's the rugby's got to get a grip on it and um, another thing is let's have some more administrators who are girls and maybe that will be one of the things that'll stop the self-centeredness and let's, let's have their talents and their administrative talents instead of the old goat, goats in
2: blazers and ties uh, take that blazer off not much yeah, <laughs> well that's very true and intro, we we did a big for the book we did a survey of um, all the clubs around the country we've got about 400 respondents out of 1500 so it was quite reflective of what's going on and time and time again they said that their adult men's section is being propped up by a the youth sections and b the women's uh, so i mean that those are the growth areas in mm. the game participation wise uh we finished the book with five easy answers uh which is Bit tongue in cheek because actually only one of them is easy and that one is uh, to end the uh, system of player capture at international level. I would like to see that just abolished. Um, mm. Good idea. Uh, I mean, what happened to Spain, for example, uh, who you know were cost a place in the World Cup mm. because of the most shameless stitch up by World Rugby. Um, you know, they'd agreed that two of their players who had been capped at youth level for France, France had told them they were available. Uh, they Spain successfully demolished um, whatever it is, Article 9 or 8 or whichever one it is in the regulations of world rugby pertaining to player capture. It was demolished by the Spanish team at the hearing, and yet they still got absolutely clobbered for playing, uh, I think it was two players, or maybe even just one, I can't remember his name, Scrum Half. Um, who had been capped at junior level for France against the wrong opposition. You've got examples like Steve Shingler. I mean, he should have played for Scotland, mm. but he wasn't allowed to because he'd played yeah. for Wales under whatever against, crucially, a particular country. Uh, and if it had been a different country, it would have been OK. Uh, I mean, it's just a nonsense. And if you qualify, and you have to qualify properly, Uh, through birth, really, and I think uh, certainly make residential qualification much harder again than it is. Uh, I think you get to play for whoever you like. Whoever you want. Agreed.
3: Birth or parents, I think. You and my dad may have moved, you know. uh, Mm. My
1: hope is that when we get to June and the premiership rugby season's up against the Lord's Test match and the European Football Championships... People realise that they don't want a rugby season that lasts from September all the way through yeah, yeah, to June, yeah, yeah. and that maybe when rugby is relegated down, potentially third on the agenda, maybe lower, um, with the, with the golf season coming and the tennis lawn tennis, In the derby, derby that maybe people realise that people that they'll actually. Less is more, and we don't want a ropey season that lasts And it's the a ridiculous
0: year. idea to be playing final on June the twentieth. It is. So that
1: that's my that's my <laughs> yeah. I guess my. Hope for the year. wants his
2: feet up by then. <laughs>
1: um, so let's ra- round off our Christmas party with our god or goddess of of the week, our weekly feature. Arthur's, do you have one?
0: Yeah, well, we touched on this. You've stitched me up, um, <laughs> Louis Louis Reese Amit, the um, young kid at winger at Gloucester. He was absolutely electric the last couple of weeks. Um... Reading the Welsh papers, they're pretty sure he's going to be at least called up to that Welsh training squad because I think they want to capture get, him. I think they want to get safety <laughs> <laughs> to him before he escapes
3: somewhere else. But
0: he's he's been terrific.
3: No, he, <laughs> anyone can You can't be captured unless you're him. Wales. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, look, my God of the week for me is I, I've never ever uh, named before the person I interviewed the week before. But Blair Cohen is some unbelievable bloke. Uh, he really is a, the, the the sort of bloke that you you get involved in rugby with for in the first place. Blair, Blair Cowan was excellent. The only other thing I'd like to do is Adam Hathaway to move nearer me, so it wouldn't take me four <laughs> hours to drop him off and go. <laughs> <home. laughs> but uh, but Blair Cowan, what what a man! Uh,
2: yeah, uh, I was dabbling with Max Malins, although I didn't see him play this week. Uh, he, he was I thought he was really good the week before against Munster. Um, uh, Tom Homer, I thought, Jonathan Joseph, but I think I'm going to go with Benno Urbano after his horrific injury, yeah. and he looks he like was, he's back. And he's was, having uh, a really good season. Uh, that's he? great.
1: Um, I'm going to nominate uh, Alex Reader as my colour uh, of the Week, similar to Jonesy. I, I wouldn't probably normally nominate someone who I'd interviewed, but um, I phoned him up to talk to him about, really, why would a, um, a premiership rugby player want to spend two years trying to get back just to play games it's not for the money or the fame and it's hopefully for the glory but you never know and we had a, an hour-long conversation in which I was staggered by the lengths that he went to, the commitment he went to uh in order to get back and that was driven by a number of things which were pretty difficult for him to cope with um the, the fear of of losing it what he felt was his identity um the, the fear of the future uh, desperation not to just give up on on the dream of playing rugby with his mates, um, which he articulated just brilliantly, and he he put him through all sort put himself through all sorts of hell just to try and play. And he played played one game, one first team game at the start of the season, and knew on the field at the Rico that he couldn't go on. But he retired knowing that he'd given everything to the cause. And when I spoke to him, he was recovering from a third massive knee operation for to improve quality of life and he was already out there meeting people trying to get a new a new job and start a new career uh so he gets my nomination
0: that was a great piece arthur i'm sure it's still available online that was really good read it
1: was thank you well thank you everyone uh have a great christmas to all of you we're going to go and finish off this bottle of bubbly and um we will be back next week with our review of the decade